state of mankind. How much do you know? Excerpts from How the Specter of Communism is Ruling Our World. 26. The Socialist International grew from the Second International, founded by Engels in 1889. At the time of establishment of the Second International, there existed over 100 political parties around the world that were founded on Marxism. Of them, 66 were ruling parties that adhered to socialism in their respective countries. The name Socialist International originated in 1951 after World War II and consisted of social democratic parties from around the world. There are socialist parties descended from the Second International everywhere in Europe, with many of them even becoming ruling parties. The early socialists included Lenin, who encouraged violent revolution, and people like Kautsky and Burns, who promoted progressive reform. Within the Socialist International, socialist democracy and democratic socialism were almost identical. They both promoted the idea that socialism is the new system that will replace capitalism. Currently, the Socialist International consists of over 160 organizations and members. It is the largest international political organization in the world. The European Socialist Party, active in the European Parliament, is also an alliance organization of the Socialist International. Its members are the Social Democratic Parties of the EU and surrounding countries. It is also a political party within the European Parliament, established in 1992 whose membership comprises the majority of European organizations, including the European Parliament, the European Commission, and the European Council. As of now, the European Socialist Party has 32 party members from 25 countries of the EU and Norway, 8 associate members, and 5 observers, for a total of 45 political parties. It engages in an immense range of activities. The main objectives claimed by the European Socialist Party itself are to strengthen the socialist and social democratic movement within the EU and throughout Europe and to develop close cooperation between member parties, parliamentary groups, and the like. Essentially, it works to vigorously promote the socialist cause. The Swedish Social Democratic Party, the ruling party of Sweden, openly claims that it uses Marxism as its theoretical guide. During the several decades under its rule, it promoted the socialist ideologies of equality and welfare. Portraits of Marx and Engels still hang in the party's halls today. The guiding principles of the UK's Labour Party are based on Fabian Socialism. As discussed earlier, Fabian Socialism is simply another version of Marxism, but stresses using gradual methods to effect the transition from socialism to communism. It also advocates high taxes, high welfare benefits, and other socialist ideas. The Labour Party became the ruling party of England many times in recent decades and has always advocated Fabian socialist ideas. The British Communist Party has also been very active in trying to influence British politics, even running its own newspaper, The Morning Star. The British Communist Party was established in 1920, and during its peak, had party members elected into the House of Commons. At the start of recent elections in England, the British Communist Party suddenly announced that it intends to support the leading left-wing politician of the Labour Party. One important member of the Labour Party has spent 40 years promoting nationalization of assets and socialism. In September 2015, he became head of the Labour Party, with an overwhelming lead of 60%. This politician has for years been a prominent participant in LGBT events and activities. When a BBC reporter inquired about his views on Marx, he praised Marx as a great economist and a fascinating figure who observed a great deal and from whom we can learn a great deal. The Socialist Party in France is France's largest center-left political party and a member of the Socialist International, SI, and Party of European Socialists, PES. Its presidential nominee was elected President of France in 2012, 
Italy's veteran communist Antonio Gramsci not only founded the Communist Party of Italy in 1921, but also served as its general secretary. Up until the 1990s, the Communist Party of Italy was very active, for a long time maintaining its position as the second largest political party. In 1991, the party was renamed the Democratic Party of the Left. Germany, the other large Western European country, is no exception. Germany is the birthplace of Marx and Engels, and the home to the influential Frankfurt School, another expression of Marxism. Other European countries, like Spain, Portugal, and others all have very active communist political parties with significant influence. All of Europe, not only Eastern European countries, are dominated by communism. Non-communist countries in Northern Europe, Southern Europe, and Western Europe are all intentionally or unintentionally promoting and hosting communist ideologies and policies. To view Europe in enemy hands is not an exaggeration. American sociologist Paul Hollander in his book Political Pilgrims told the stories of many young intellectuals enamored with communism who traveled to the Soviet Union, Maoist China, and communist Cuba. While horrifying abuses took place, these young political pilgrims saw none of it and upon their return, enthusiastically wrote books glorifying socialist policies. Communist ideology is an ideology of the devil, and as time has passed, People have seen increasingly clearly that everywhere communism goes, it is accompanied by violence, lies, war, famine, and dictatorship. The question is, why are there still so many people who wholeheartedly help the devil spread its lies, even becoming its obedient fools? In the United States, for example, people of different time periods were attracted to communism for different reasons. The very early Communist Party USA members were immigrants. Their economic status was low and it was hard for them to blend into the community. They thus joined the party mainly due to influences from their homeland, primarily Russia and Eastern European countries. After the Great Depression, the influence of Marxism in the West dramatically increased, and almost the entire intellectual class in the West began a leftward turn. Numerous intellectuals went to visit the Soviet Union, and after returning, gave speeches and wrote books promoting communist ideology. Those involved included many influential thinkers, writers, artists, and reporters. The baby boomer generation entered college during the 1960s, growing up in post-war affluence, yet they were misled by communist-inflected ideologies into other countercultural stances taking the form of anti-war, women's rights, and the like. The next generation of students were taught left-leaning material right out their textbooks because their teachers were the tenured radicals thus communism's long march through the institutions had finally succeeded beginning a cycle intended to reproduce and maintain itself forever. In a book dedicated to exposing communism, Masters of Deceit, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, whose tenure ran 37 years, classified communist activists into five groups, open party members, underground party members, fellow travelers, opportunists, those who support the party for self-interest, and dupes. In reality, there are very few extremely evil and diehard communist activists, isn't it much more the case that the majority of Communist Party members were simply taken in? American reporter John Silas reads 10 Days That Shook the World, and Edgar Snow's Red Star Over China played a major role in promoting communist ideology around the world. Reed is one of three Americans who was buried in the Kremlin Wall necropolis, meaning that he himself was a communist activist. His description of the October Revolution was not an objective reporting of the actual events, but carefully crafted political propaganda.
Edgar Snow was a fellow traveler of communism. In 1936, the interview outline he provided to a CCP member included questions in a dozen areas, including diplomacy, defense against enemy invasion, views on unequal treaties, foreign investment, views on Nazis, national socialists, and more. Later, Mao Zedong met Snow in a cave home in Shambay, the northern portion of Shanxi province, to answer questions so that a favorable impression of the CCP could be created. The young and naive Snow was used as a tool by the treacherous CCP to broadcast its carefully crafted lies to the world. Yuri Bazmenov, a former KGB spy, recalled his experience of receiving foreign friends when he worked as a spy. Their schedule was partially arranged by the Foreign Intelligence Service of the Russian Federation. Their visits to churches, schools, hospitals, kindergartens, factories, and more were prearranged. Those involved were communists or politically trustworthy and had undergone training to make sure they would speak with one voice. He cited as an example the time when Look, a major American magazine in the 1960s, sent journalists to the Soviet Union and ended up printing materials prepared by Soviet security forces, including photos and print copy. Thus, Soviet propaganda went out into the public under the name of a U.S. magazine, misleading Americans. Yuri Bazmenov said that many journalists, actors, and star athletes can be excused for being blinded to the realities while visiting the Soviet Union, but that the behavior of many Western politicians was unforgivable. They wove lies and sought cooperation with Soviet communists for their own reputation and profit, he said, calling them morally corrupt. In the book You Can Still Trust the Communists, To Be Communists, Dr. Fred Schwartz analyzed why some young men from wealthy families became fond of communism. He listed four reasons, first, disenchantment with capitalism, second, belief in a materialist philosophy of life, third, intellectual hubris, fourth, a non-fulfilled religious need. Intellectual hubris refers to the experience of young people at the age of about 18 to 20 who easily fall prey to communist propaganda due to their partial understanding of history, their anti-authoritarian resentment, and their desire to rebel against tradition, authority, and the ethnic culture they grew up in. Unfulfilled religious needs refers to the fact that everyone has a kind of religious impulse inside them, driving them to transcend themselves. However, atheism and the theory of evolution instilled by their education make them unable to derive satisfaction from traditional religion. The communist fantasy of liberating mankind takes advantage of this latent human need and serves as their ersatz religion. Intellectuals tended to be fooled by radical ideologies. Such a phenomenon has drawn the attention of scholars. In his book The Opium of the Intellectuals, Raymond Aron strongly pointed out that on one hand, 20th century intellectuals severely criticized the traditional political system, but on the other hand, generously tolerated or even turned a blind eye to the dictatorship and slaughter in communist states. He saw the left-wing intellectuals who turned their ideology into a secular religion as hypocritical, arbitrary, and fanatical. In his book Intellectuals, from Marx and Tolstoy to Sartre and Chomsky, Paul Johnson, a British historian, analyzed the lives and radical political views of Rousseau and a dozen intellectuals who followed him. He found that they shared the fatal weakness of arrogance and egocentrism. In his book Intellectuals and Society, the American scholar Thomas Sowell also gave extensive illustration of the extraordinary arrogance of these intellectuals. These scholars have based their analysis of communist intellectuals on careful judgment and analysis, but we wish to bring attention to another reason, which they have not covered that explains why intellectuals can be so easily fooled. Communism is a demonic ideology that does not belong to any traditional culture in human society. Since it militates against human nature, it can never be organically developed by man, 
but must be enforced and instilled from the outside. Under the influence of atheism and materialism, contemporary academia and education has abandoned belief in gods. Blind belief in science and the worship of so-called human reason make it possible for people to become slaves of this demonic ideology. Since the 1960s, communism has engaged in a large-scale invasion of American education. Even worse, many young people, bombarded by left-wing media and given a simplified education, indulge in television, computer games, the internet, and social media. They get turned into snowflakes. People who lack knowledge, a global perspective, a sense of responsibility, a sense of history, and the ability to cope with challenges. With communist or communist-derived ideologies instilled in them by their parents' generation, they become indoctrinated and henceforth use a warped framework for evaluating the new facts they see and hear. That is, communist lies have formed a film around them, preventing them from a genuine vision of reality. To deceive people, the demon has extensively exploited the human weaknesses of stupidity, ignorance, selfishness, greed, and credulity. Meanwhile, idealism and romantic fantasies of a beautiful life have also been taken advantage of. This is the saddest of all. In fact, a communist state is nothing like the romantic fantasies of communist true believers. If they actually lived under a communist regime, instead of simply visiting on a pleasant tour, they might realize this. The communist specter infiltrated the West in disguise. Only when we transcend concrete phenomena and put ourselves on a higher plane can we truly see the face and goals of the specter. The real reason the specter could attain its goal is because humans abandoned their belief in gods and relaxed their moral standards. Only by revivifying our belief in gods, purifying our minds, and elevating our morality can we rid ourselves of demonic influence and control. If all of human society returned to tradition, the specter would have no place to hide.